This is Mental Health and You with WCPA. We're your hosts, Taylor Kennedy, Caitlin Schaefer, and Jacqueline Simplecamp. Our podcast covers mental health topics for you. From us, licensed mental health professionals. Let's get to this week's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Mental Health and You. We are so excited for today's episode. Yes, today we are talking about how to communicate with our kids. Some of this topic is going to be related to, you know, parent-child communication, but definitely want to challenge you guys to see how it may apply to or fit within your life. Um, You may not have a child yourself, but I want you to think about what about within your place of employment, your family, volunteer work you do, how could this fit within your life? I'm really glad you said that because in life, we're all part of families or we interact with youth in some facet of life. So I think this topic can apply to everyone, even if you're like, oh, I'm not really a kid person, like we're still around them somewhere. So I think we've got some information for you that can be helpful. I think that, you know, for parents, especially, this can be challenging because it's really easy for there to be misunderstandings between themselves and their children. Especially when we're talking about feelings and the hard stuff, children don't always know how to express themselves. So whether it's developmentally due to young age or just a lack of experience expressing emotions or thoughts, it can really be challenging for kids to open up about their life. Many times I find that parents or adults just want to know what's going on. I hear that so often that my child won't talk to me, but I have a feeling something's wrong. I've experienced that too with my clients. I think kids, whether they're in elementary, middle, or high school, they feel like they can't get their point across to their parents sometimes. I think some of the time they're afraid of judgment too. They're not always sure how their parents will perceive the situation, and it's vulnerable to open up and then think you're going to be shut down. I notice this as well, and often they make these assumptions based off of, you know, previous interactions or attempts to communicate their side of a situation. And one of the main themes I notice when it comes to struggles in communication between parents and kids is the importance of the environment. Do both parties feel safe, comfortable, and respected in expressing these feelings? Is there trust that even if one party doesn't agree, they can try to understand the other person's side? And honestly, I don't think this happens often. Normally, because the parent is the authority figure, right? However, I don't know if there truly needs to be a power struggle or use of authority in every situation that maybe is challenging or in every negative interaction. Definitely. I think it might be helpful to discuss some ways we communicate that aren't necessarily helpful for effective communication. So as parents or adults working with a child, one of the biggest factors I find in the success of communicating is the reaction or that response that they give when a child chooses to share something with them. So I've had children and adolescents from, gosh, age like four to 17, use the phrase, they just don't listen, or they'll get mad at me if I even try to tell them. So Adults, it's really helpful to note how you respond to the child when you're talking with them. Ironically, parents say the same thing, though. They say, you know, they just don't listen to me. My child doesn't listen. And that just tells me that there's really a feeling on both ends that the other is not being an active listener. So as parents or the adults in the situation, we need to allow the child a safe, 
judgment-free space to communicate and problem solve and just really be heard. And like Taylor said, we may not agree, but just allowing that space is really one of the most important things. And then children also need to allow their parents to take time to talk and they need to listen to what they're saying too and what they're trying to convey. I know I find that kids tend to shut down or withdraw, which doesn't always allow their parents the opportunity to listen or support them either. So kiddos, try to let your parents into your thoughts and feelings too. It's a team effort. Yes, communication is a two-way street. So before I make this point, I want to start by saying that parents definitely have authority in their households and respect limits and boundaries are necessary. I think parenting is one of the toughest jobs and we don't just exist on this planet knowing how to be a parent. It's a constant learning process. But I will also say that when parents go for the I'm the parent approach, that usually doesn't go very well. Kids any age need clear expectations and parents need to communicate the purpose behind what they say. So for example, saying I'm the parent, do what I say is not informative or clear, and the real message that you're trying to get across to your child probably won't get there. Oh, I guarantee it won't. I noticed this so much in work, but y'all, I also remember times when I was frustrated with this, Yes, the because I said so, or Mm -hmm. I'm the adult, you're the child approach is Mm -hmm. so hurtful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And You're right, Jacqueline, whatever message you were actually trying to get across to that child or that adolescent is definitely not (laughs) what that child walks away from the conversation or situation with. And instead, you know, I, I really encourage act limit setting. This approach allows an adult to A, acknowledge, you know, the child's intention, C, communicate a limit, and T, target an alternative. Acknowledging the child's intention in a calm, positive manner instead of acknowledging what they are doing wrong is really important. It then allows you to communicate a limit, set a boundary for what is unacceptable. And then you're finishing through with targeting two positive alternatives that would allow the child to accomplish what they were intending to in an appropriate manner. That's a really great tip. I love that ACT approach in communication. One of the helpful tips that I've also found to increase positive communication is to be aware of the tone of voice you're using when talking. This is something I work with all age groups with, honestly, but we could be saying the same exact words, but depending on our tone is depending on how other people receive it. So I've seen both parents and children use a tone that comes off very disrespectful or demeaning towards one another. And many times this isn't purposeful, but being mindful of the words you choose and how you say those words could really make or break communication between an adult and a child. Caitlin, you make a really good point here. Even if you aren't talking to a child, I Mm -hmm. think this is something that's extremely important to problem solving in general. Mm -hmm. As human beings, we all need to work on using more I statements and less you statements. So what I mean by this is not starting out a conversation, acknowledging the other person. So often we go into it, passing judgment or negatively describing something someone else has done. And this immediately puts people on the defense. Using I statements 
allows us to truly express our opinions, feelings, and thoughts in an appropriate way um, that will really allow the recipient to be able to receive what you were saying. So I feel, I need, I was hurt by, I don't like it when you, I want. All of these statements allow us to, you know, truly express ourselves and focus on ourselves instead of the other person. I statements are direct and to the point. And for kiddos especially, this is really important. They are very specific statements, which make it really easy to understand. And I also think that people in general speak in too broad of terms when talking to kids and really just people overall. Like I know for me, if someone asks me to do something, it needs to be specific. Otherwise, I might get confused and not do what they were expecting. So if you're talking to your child and you want them to do something, the direction needs to be specific and positive. So instead of saying, no fighting with your brother, say something like, speak kindly to your brother. And we could even go further and define what kind looks like, for example. It may seem obvious or a given, but phrasing and communication is really important. I really agree with that. I think how we spin things in a positive light to give them that positive alternative versus just acknowledging the negative thing really helps kids to learn. If we are only pointing out what they're doing wrong, so stop fighting with your brother, it doesn't help them to learn what you would like them to do instead. So it doesn't help them to learn that they can express themselves kindly to their brother instead of fighting with them in order to solve the problem. And another thing I want to talk about is the importance of allowing people to feel heard and not just verbalize what you heard them say, right? Not just allowing them to feel heard through verbalization, but showing them actions after the fact. I have so many clients that tell me, I don't want them to tell me that they heard me. I want them to show me that they heard me. And this is a basic principle, in my opinion, again, for how you should treat people. Children, especially though, I think it's important because it allows them to learn and validating their feelings fosters character development for them to know how to express their feelings and regulate emotions appropriately. Kids don't always have appropriate responses, right? That's a given, but their feelings are based in their perception of an event or an incident. So even as adults, if we don't agree with the choice they made or how they handled it, those choices were based off their feelings and feelings aren't negotiable. It doesn't negate the feeling, even if their behavior was wrong. Does that make sense? Yes, that's honestly exactly what I was thinking. Even if you don't fully understand what your child is going through, you can show that you care about their emotions and want to affirm that what they're feeling is valid. A common example is if a child gets angry about something and does something destructive with their anger, like, I don't know, they throw their toys or maybe hit someone, something like that. Break an Xbox controller. I feel like breaking controllers is huge right now with (laughs) technology and kiddos. I know. So it's like, even if you don't agree with their behavior, you can validate that they're feeling angry, sad, and whatever else while also saying, I don't agree with the choice that you made. You know, it wasn't okay for you to throw your Xbox controller, but I understand that you're feeling angry about the situation. Yeah, it's so important as the adult to remember that children are still learning. Many times parents say they should know this. I feel like I hear that all the time with all age groups of kids. Yes. Um, 
even in schools, you know, teachers or as an aunt or uncle, right? But in some cases, this is true, but more often than not, children just need those frequent reminders and expectations modeled for them just as frequently. So breaking things down by setting those clear expectations will really just set you up for that long-term success. Um, I always recommend to kindly and respectfully ask your child what they learned from your conversation. So this can be through words or even just acting it out. Like, you know, go show me what we just talked about. Let's just make sure you have it down. I, you know, I'm here to help. I love that. Like draw a picture of it if you mm-hmm. can't talk about it. Yeah, exactly. And going along with that, I think saying an open-ended statement like share what you think or share what you learned can give more insight than some sort of leading question like if you lead with that sort of question, it doesn't give them the opportunity to share more of what they might be thinking or feeling. We never know what someone else is thinking necessarily. So giving a child the chance to elaborate when you can is great. And, you know, I think that's a great point that you make. And with that being said, one of the things I remind many of my adult clients or parents um, is, is that Emotional regulation involves taught skills. So like you were saying earlier, many people as adults say they should know this. Well, how would they know it if you don't teach it? And how do you know that they have the wraparound support in all facets of their life to learn that? So often when we see kids, you know, acting out or struggling to manage a really large emotion on their own, it's extremely easy to get frustrated, embarrassed, or tempered. And especially in these moments, when the child's vulnerable and in that emotional state, it's almost like more important to model and teach skills for overcoming those large emotions. This is how a child learns to control and manage their big feelings effectively while also learning that it's okay to have those feelings. In these moments, it is helpful to break down things for your child. Caitlin, I know you mentioned that earlier, break it down really simply and make it clear what they can do to help the situation. You know, what's a helpful thing you can do versus hurtful. It can also be helpful to have a clear conversation afterwards, like Caitlin mentioned, following an event when the child is more calm, right? And not in that emotional functioning state so that they can try to better understand their feelings and thoughts and main takeaways from the interaction. Yes, I think all of that is true. And going back to modeling, what I always say is model the behavior that you want to see. And I really don't think age is a factor here. I think that works with everyone. And with children specifically, I think modeling is one of the best ways that we can show them what we expect. And it's a good way for us to teach them those skills. Even if it's just societal norms, Mm -hmm. Jacqueline, like modeling how you behave in a situation or in public they can watch and learn without there even needing to be a conversation or Mm -hmm. watching how mom and dad, aunt and uncle talk through a problem. They're learning through you modeling it without there needing to be a conversation. I really like that point. We think about young kids, like even toddlers, and you hear parents or adults all the time say, gosh, they pick up everything, Yeah, right? Or you might say something you shouldn't have and the next day they're saying it, right? So kids are always, always, always listening and watching us. And so as the adult, even though, like Taylor said, it is really hard to keep our cool when things are rough with the kids, but they're watching us and they're listening and that's how they're learning. So one last thing I think is really important here to include on this topic. 
So I always encourage parents to keep in mind that some children communicate best in alternative ways. So nonverbal ways. So offering children to communicate through writing or drawing, you know, expressing what they're thinking or feeling in that way has been a really helpful tool for many of my clients and their parents. I love that you say that because not all kids are cognitively developed enough to express it verbally, right? They don't know all the time, all of the answers to communicate it to you. So I think that's really a good point to make. And it can be hard as a parent to feel like you have multiple avenues for accomplishing a goal when communicating with your child, right? So it's hard to feel like, okay, I have multiple approaches for gaining the information I need from my child. So like we've mentioned, there's There's no book for perfect parenting, so it's important for caregivers to have multiple tools and ways of asking questions or engaging with their child or um, just engaging with a child in general if their initial initial approach isn't working. And I feel like, well, out of the three of us, Caitlin, I feel like you work with the most adults with this specific topic because you work with principals and teachers and parents and caregivers. Um, So what suggestions do you often give? Yeah, I I think it's important to also, besides all of the things we've listed, I think we've already listed quite a few great options, but beside those, I think it's really important to allow time and space to think and feel before communicating. So for instance, it's okay if you're kind of in the middle of a conversation or a disagreement to say, I need to think about this. Or I need to spend a few minutes alone to cool down or gather my thoughts before responding to you. Sometimes I think we forget to allow ourselves and allow our children that space before we react. And this is really an important skill for everybody, but especially for parents to be able to model themselves and then encourage that with their children. It's just important for us to state out loud that we're doing this because we don't want to just walk away from the conversation or, you know, stomp away without communicating that we're needing that space because then that's just a negative nonverbal form of communication. So it's important to state out loud that you're needing this time or space and why you're doing that. You could really use so many other things too to support communication with children. You could use chalk outside to write or draw something. You could use dolls or action figures, Play-Doh, a visual feeling chart, like a um, feeling thermometer is something that I like to have parents print out and kids can even just point to. Um, It's all really kind of about being creative and allowing those alternative forms of communication and allowing those to become kind of a normal thing. I love all these ideas. I think parents and really just anyone in general have to get creative, like you said, sometimes when communicating with kids. I think these tools are really a great place to start. Communication is hard. I feel like it's hard even as adults and for adults. Mm -hmm. Like There are so many examples in your day-to-day life of communication being hard. It's so necessary to instill good communication skills within our children, though. As with many things in our life, it's important as adults that we are constantly setting examples and providing knowledge to the youth. Having effective communication skills sets our kiddos up for more successful futures and overall helps them learn how to create a better quality of life for themselves. Yes, I think we can all get behind that one for sure. So for next week, we're actually doing another interview. 
We're interviewing a therapist from WCPA, and the topic is raising awareness about male mental health. We cannot wait for y'all to hear this episode as we dive into mental health for men and start raising awareness and starting that conversation. We will be having a special guest, like Jacqueline mentioned, from our office join us for this conversation because we think he'll be able to provide a lot of valuable insight. He definitely will. But let's keep him a surprise for now. Ugh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, you'll all find out who our guest therapist is, and we may even put a teaser on our Instagram, so make sure you're following along at Mental Health and You. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We hope you appreciated this conversation today like we did. We'll talk to y'all next week. (laughs) 